Richard Sachs on Lost Arts Radio, and I'm excited about tonight's visit because we have a guest that I've been hoping would show up for a long time, uh, Dr. Brian Artis. I consider him one of the leaders and examples and heroes of this whole uh, adventure that we're in right now, living in the midst of uh, plans which are not not to our benefit, and we'll talk more about that, and uh, learning about the details of the negative agenda is probably not even worth it except for one thing. And that's if it leads us to solutions that actually can be applied and work. So um, this is unscripted, spontaneous. We're going to see where it goes and we'll do some background first. And I think um, one of the things we'll mention is that real science, which we're always being told to follow has some basic tenets. And one of them is question everything no ego involved. We're not here to defend a point of view. We're here to help each other find whatever is true and how we can apply it. And Dr. Artis has already been doing that. So welcome, Dr. Artis. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So I always like to include people that don't know from you know what you're talking about, what what we're doing, newcomers that may have no idea about any of this stuff. But I don't want to use the whole discussion just repeating what you've said because your website, the com, has great videos on it for background that anybody should watch all of them. Um, but briefly, just so that the discussion makes sense today, um, you're a retired chiropractic doctor. Is that right? I am. And how did it get from there to where you are now, briefly? Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, I had a practice of my own in Tennessee from 2004 to 2009. Then I opened one in Dallas, Texas from 2009. I sold it in 2018. Uh, okay. I thought I was retiring from practice, which I did. Yeah. But, uh, still consult the doctors there that I trained and now run that practice. It's called North Texas Healing Center. Okay. Uh, I retired then and then set up two nutritional companies online that uh, I was creating formulations based on my clinical experience for the last at least 15 years in practice addressing underlying causes of diseases and symptoms people lived with nutritionally. So I decided to create some products and formulations for things I thought could address large audiences or groups of people worldwide, and then just promote those uh, through online resources. But that's what I was doing from 2000, from October, 2018 until May of 2020, really. And these are conditions that are usually treated with drugs, I assume, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. In my practice, I didn't do anything with drugs. It was all nutritional. So it didn't matter if you had lupus, fibromyalgia, uh, acne. It didn't matter if you had uh, plantar fasciitis or migraine headaches. There's actually ways to address all of those situations or diabetes with nutrition and dietary coaching. So that's what I got good at. That's what I specialized in was using what I believe is God's natural immunity inside of your body and feed it what it needs to actually make improvements and live symptom free. That was what I did. They used to have this thing called the Hippocratic Oath. You've probably heard of it. I don't think they emphasize it much anymore. And so it's a very advanced doctor who happened to be a little bit before us in time, 2,500 years or so. And he said, he didn't say, well, make sure the number of people you can claim to help is more than the number you kill. He said, don't do any harm at all. Don't do any harm at all was the very first creed. Yep. So, yes, that has kind of been thrown out of the window, it appears, by many people around the world, unfortunately, right right now. So in May of 2020, for those who don't know, uh, May of 2020 is when I got very outspoken in relationship to hospital protocols that were defined by the NIH in America for all hospitalized COVID-19 patients. The reason why I went into the media in May of 2020 is because I recognize the hospital protocols Anthony Fauci at the NIH was putting together for COVID, the toxicity of the drug he selected called remdesivir to be the only antiviral drug for COVID-19 victims in America Mm -hmm. uh, was three times as toxic as the drug they used that killed my father-in-law just three months earlier. I forgot about that. When I watched this happen in a hospital uh, three months earlier, uh, my rage, my anger, my grief, uh, I actually took out on Anthony Fauci, the NIH, and the rest of the world to expose the criminality, the medical malpractice uh, that is the COVID-19 hospital protocols surrounding COVID-19. Uh, mm-hmm. And I have been a nonstop, relentless, uh, very outspoken individual in relationship <clears throat> to remdesivir poisoning, the sedation uh, drugs they use to intubate mm-hmm. uh, or ventilate all the patients in COVID-19 wards around the world. I also have been a big part of exposing the end-of-life protocols that were in the United Kingdom used to kill 45,000 elderly in Is two that months. Midazolam or something? Yeah, midazolam and morphine. They just mm-hmm. went into nursing homes all throughout the UK and injected these elderly who were not sick with anything, injected them with uh, lethal doses of midazolam and morphine uh, to actually scare the public in the UK that these people, they actually did say on their death certificates, they died of COVID-19. And they use those numbers to actually wow. scare the public that COVID-19 kills people, get ready for our vaccine agenda. And so I've just been uh, very, very loud, very, uh, as most people say, very bold in my presentations, my speaking. Uh, and so for the last uh, probably six months, I've been in eight different state capitol buildings here in the United States, uh, testifying in front of state senators, <laughs> senators, legislators, state reps, uh, anybody who will listen. And uh, we actually present data, information around the hospital protocols. We ask all the legislators to bring in the medical board for the state and the pharmacy board for the state and hold public hearings to find out why it is that those boards or those institutions are allowing pharmacists to practice medicine without a license by restricting mm-hmm. filling prescriptions medical doctors are writing to treat COVID-19 patients outside of hospitals. Right. And then also calling in the medical boards to find out why it is they're taking licenses away from medical doctors for prescribing FDA-approved 
what are considered off-label medications to treat COVID-19 patients effectively and safely using things like hydroxychloroquine, corticosteroids, budesonide, ivermectin, all those things you've heard of before. So mm-hmm. me and a group of medical doctors go around the country all the time speaking out. Now we're filing lawsuits and I'm on many, many lawsuits all over the country, signed on as an expert witness to the crimes of hospital protocols, the vaccine injuries, you name it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what's the, what's the status of the lawsuits at this point? Yeah, so one of the ones that was the most exciting was in January. It's when we filed a lawsuit against Boris Johnson, uh, the UK prime minister. Mm-hmm. Heard of him. There were, there, were, there were two lawsuits I was a part of. One was a Dr. Scott White, who was suing the, the parliament for and Boris Johnson specifically for actually the uh, lockdowns, not allowing medical students to complete their medicine uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> curriculum at med schools. Uh, that was a that was one. And then I'm also signed on as an expert witness for uh, the International Criminal Court. Uh, two days back to back lawsuits landed on Boris Johnson's desk. And on the third day is when he actually came out and uh, declared all mandates for COVID-19 were dropped for the United Kingdom. And right. then 11 other countries fought, felt followed suit within about a two week period. So that was very exciting to watch. So uh, I was one of four doctors on a suit, the first suit with a, uh, from the United States that were on that as expert witnesses to testify against Boris Johnson. It was me, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Peter, or sorry, Dr. Peter Corey and Dr. Richard Urso. Uh, We were the four American doctors uh, as a part of that suit, all claiming uh, crimes against humanity and uh, in relationship to the COVID-19 mandates, lockdowns and protocols. Wow. You know what? Now we're working on, right now, I've got two groups, teams of attorneys we're working with that are representing families in California, re- representing families in Louisiana, and we are actually going after class action lawsuits against the states and against our federal government uh, for in representing plaintiffs whose loved ones have died in hospitals from remdesivir, uh, and actually patients who who brought with them to the hospital advanced medical directives that stated we will not under any circumstance consent to having remdesivir or the intubation or ventilation protocols. And they just ignored those, right? They just ignored those and did them anyway. So we've got those documented and uh, we've got, we've got a lot of attorneys working with us right now to help support. Are you having interaction with hospitals directly as well or not? Oh yeah. Yep. We've got recorded interactions with them too. What are the hospital's responses to that sort of thing? They just deny it? Oh, they want to deny it. And then they they are actually trying to restrict releasing uh, legal medical records that they are supposed to be able to do it. So we're constantly having to file for petitions and lawsuits with the hospitals to have them even release the medical records. Similar to... They don't want to release those. Similar to CDC saying 75 years for Pfizer data and stuff like that, right? Pfizer's the one that didn't want to release it. They didn't want anybody bringing that up. So, yeah, that was pretty sad when uh, our federal health agencies, I'm not even sure which one it was, that said it's okay, you don't have to release it for 75 years. Yeah, uh, either city or FDA. Wow. So maybe, you know, I'm thinking once we start getting into this, our time is going to go by in a flash. So I'm thinking how to use that the best. And one thing that might be worth a few minutes to get bring people up to speed again is review what's happened in this pandemic. And that, of course, that's going to tie in with 
other elements to even the aid situation with Anthony Fauci and other things that are all related and to the bigger picture. Cause this goes actually, once you start uncovering what's happening, um, it goes way beyond healthcare. I mean, th- this saturates the whole society and what the rulers are doing right now. But starting with the pandemic, there were some out- outbreaks, supposedly, that were first filmed in Wuhan, right, with people walking along the sidewalk and just collapsing suddenly, and their face hitting the concrete and blood all around. And then there were some episodes after that in New York and northern Italy and uh, Central and South America, but restricted to certain specific locations. So what was that about, do you think, at this point? Um, I actually believe, from everything I've seen, this is actually orchestrated and planned, <laughs> the whole thing. Right. Um, and from all the research and presentations and uh, data that I have, uh, the coronavirus that they call SARS-CoV-2 was actually created in a lab at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, right? uh, funded by Anthony Fauci and a guy named Ralph Barrick. Prior to the outbreak of a few people in Wuhan, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill sent their gain-of-function pathogen, some of it, a very small amount, to Wuhan. Uh, And I don't know if you're aware of this, but when I was hiring and interviewing security detail at my home a couple Mm -hmm. months ago, uh, I actually had a special ops person in my house, and uh, when he asked me what I was, why I needed security, I said, "Well, it's come to my attention uh, some high-level government cleared individuals had made it known that uh, and relayed to me that I was number one on a hit list by Pfizer, right, and had to be silenced in the next two months, which is still ongoing right now. So I actually decided I had Thomas Renz, an attorney, vet all that intel." And uh, he said it was all legit, and we went all through it. And I said, great, I'll hire some uh, security in my house. While I was interviewing this second special ops guy to stay in my home, he says, what are you about to release that you need security for? And there's a uh, there's a weaponized venom aspect to COVID-19 that I was about to release on the world. And I'd been studying it for about five months at this point. And this guy goes, well, how would they, how would they deliver venom to make us sick, to make it look like a respiratory virus? And I said... Uh, they're doing it through the water. Now, when you ask about um, how are they doing this, and it's only happened in certain areas of Italy, uh, France, uh, New York City, yeah. Wuhan City. How are they doing this? I think they orchestrated it the whole time. I think they targeted populations. Uh, you could, you yourself or anyone else listening could assume they did it in the air or released it in the air. Uh, or you can uh, listen to me. I, I suggested that they're doing it through the water and we're drinking it. Well, yeah. this guy who actually, uh, I did not know this when I was interviewing him in my home, but he looks at me and he goes, Dr. Artis, you actually think they're doing it through the water? And I said, I'm convinced of it. And he goes, this is the second time I've heard that. And I said, where was the first place? And he goes, do you remember the bat lady that escaped Wuhan, who was in New York City doing press conferences and then went to Washington, D.C.? I said, yeah, I remember the Chinese scientist from Wuhan's lab. And I said, yes, I remember and he goes, I was assigned as her security detail in wow. New York and in Washington, D.C. And he looks at me in my living room and he goes, do you know that when the hearings took place in Washington, D.C., I had to sit right next to her. And as senators are drilling her about 
gain-of-function testing at the Wuhan lab, they asked them if the purpose of gain-of-function testing, asked the bat lady, if, if gain-of-function testing is being done and performed to make pathogens that are in animals more infectious to humans to try to prevent outbreaks of pandemics in the future, do you ever experiment with your gain-of-function pathogens to see if it works? And then ever have a vaccine or some some way of stopping your experiment? And she said, yeah, we do it all the time. And they said, you experiment on people in Wuhan. And she said, yes. And they said, how do you, how do you experiment on people mm-hmm. with your gain-of-function pathogens? And this is what she said. It's really simple. We create our pathogen, and then we put it in water, and we freeze it. And then we chop it up into little blocks of ice, and we deliver it to a community we have previously selected, and then we have them drink it. And then we go in with our, uh, with our uh, vaccine or our antidote to actually address the, the outbreak we created. You mean they give them an ice cube and tell them that it's an experiment? No, no, they don't tell them. They actually secretly experiment on a community that they select. And then they go deliver ice to that community, put it in their freezers or in their fountains, their water fountains, drinking fountains, uh, hotels. And they deliver the water. They deliver the pathogen frozen in water to communities. So they know exactly where the ice is and it melts into the water. Yep. And maybe certain drinking fountains or other things like that. Yeah. In fact, what was insane is I looked at this guy and I went, oh, my God, I can't wait for my wife to come into this living room with us. Because two days earlier, I was on a flight and I remember sitting there and I was like, why aren't they offering drinks? Remember, they they weren't offering if you were on any flights. I was flying all over the place the whole time for the pandemic. But for like a year plus, year and a half, they stopped serving any drinks with ice. Like you couldn't order any. And I told my wife, I said, it's so weird that they got rid of the ice. I said, uh, you know, it would be crazier if they could put the venoms or the virus or the gain of function pathogen into water. They could simply freeze it. Then they could put it on airplanes and then they could serve drinks to the people on the airplane, water, whiskey, wine, whatever. And they could just drink it. And then no matter where that plane was flying from, when they landed in New York, after coming from Italy, like the plane, right? Or coming right. from China, these people would a few days later would get sick after being on the plane. And then they could actually say, well, where'd you come from? Uh, I came from Wuhan. <laughs> I came right. from Shanghai. I came from France. I came from Italy. And it would look like, and they could blame it, that you transmitted or the brought the virus or the pathogen from another country when in this fact is- it could have been a it could have been a ploy the whole time. It was a drink. Yeah, because because there's an obvious mystery, you know, if you don't explain it that way. Oh, yeah. The fact that the virus hasn't been truly isolated, identified, and put through something like Koch's postulates to show that it ever caused any disease or existed, that hasn't been done. Most people kind of brush that off because the news media don't seem to be worried about it. And it's just a conspiracy theory, but it's really well documented. And so if the virus, you've heard Dr. Martin, probably at some of the events you've been at, talking about the virus only existing as a patent in a computer file from the early 2000s and not not necessarily in He's been in my home and uh, we've actually shared many, many trips together. Yeah, I think his argument's pretty solid.
And many people have talked about the nonsense that they call identification by isolation of the virus hasn't, you know, the real way hasn't been done. So if that's true, which it probably is, and there's actually no virus. In fact, Stefan Lanka, remember, is saying that it's really questionable whether they've actually isolated any viruses. And, and it's pretty solid. If that's the case, then where are all our tax dollars being used that were funding the gain of function research? I believe they were used, but they made something that wasn't necessarily a virus. And you've got an idea how that was done, right? At I this do. point. I do. So what did those labs that we've got all over the place, including now in Ukraine and many countries in the world, what are they doing to earn all the money they're using? Yeah, they're obviously doing experiments on something. I will also say that Dr. Judy Mikovits, before I start talking on this, Dr. Judy Mikovits mm-hmm. is a viral researcher, a chemist. She's a PhD, and she worked with the NIH for years developing right. developing from cell lines various viruses, supposedly. So, that, I mean, yeah. that is what she did. That's what I she know. Did. She's been on the show. So, so, so she's pretty phenomenal. And uh, but I actually am convinced. Uh, and she knows there's venom tied to these viruses and to right. these pathogens. Uh, she talks about it almost in every conversation. In fact, I was on a three-hour call, three call with her this morning. First thing out of her mouth, the first question was, well, you know the snake venom. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. went on right on right on. I was like, right. oh, you're so funny, Judy. Uh, but she does that out of support for me because she knows uh, she knows I'm right about the venom aspect. And she wants yeah. to make sure people know that uh, she she knows that she knows things we don't know because we didn't work in those labs, but she specifically. And she's got a lot of contact with Fauci as well. Oh yeah. For a long time. So I just want you to know that uh, what, what early on happened for me, well, not early on about five months ago, uh, I actually started looking into the possibility of what was the source for SARS-CoV-2. What was the origin source of the virus or this pathogen? And I was very shocked to find out that uh, in January of 2020 in France, in April of 2020, researchers isolated the spike protein from SARS-CoV-2, this virus, but the spike protein by itself, when they ran the genetic sequences, it mm-hmm. had the most identical gene sequences to segments of a venom protein called a peptide. And there's, it's a short protein sequence called a peptide. And they said that these spike proteins most resemble two venomous snakes' venoms. It was mm-hmm. the king cobra venom and the Chinese crate venom. And uh, I didn't even know this until five months ago, but in January through April of 2020, there were all the heavy media outlets, CNN, Healthline, you name all of them, were reporting newscasts that the source of SARS-CoV-2 came from snakes, not bats, snakes. And by the end of January 2020, all these media outlets had fact checkers that were coming in and spinning the narrative away from snakes and go look at bats. If you remember, they sent these teams of people into the caves in Wuhan, spraying bat cave stuff with this white cloud of stuff, saying they were trying to kill the virus. And I just think that was all theater. Yeah. Yeah. I think think that was complete theater to try to get everybody to think that they were out there trying to do good by all of us. (laughs) They were trying to protect us. When in fact that they were trying to keep a narrative in your view that you didn't look away from. And the truth is, in my opinion, and from research studies that I've uncovered that have been peer reviewed and published, 
January and April of 2020, two different countries, France and China, both isolated the spike protein, said it was most identical to two snake venoms, of which those venoms cause exactly respiratory disease, respiratory failure that mimics COVID-19. And then in in July, sorry, June of 2020, so two Mm -hmm. months after May, in June of 2020, Italy conducted a study based on the researchers in France identifying two snake venoms that were the spike protein for SARS-CoV-2. And in Italy, they took 20 patients who PCR tested positive for COVID-19 and had symptoms from multiple cities in Italy. And they took their urine, blood samples, and their feces. And then they took 10 people that they PCR tested who were negative for COVID and had zero symptoms whatsoever from multiple cities. And they took their urine, blood, and feces also. And they wanted to actually evaluate all those tissues to look for any animal venom peptides. And they have what's called liquid chromatography, mass spectrometry to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And they did. They actually sent the samples to Germany to have stuff done first. It's called liquid chromatography. And they sent it for mass spectrometry back to Italy that looks specifically for peptides of venoms. And what they found was in every single tissue sample, blood, urine, and feces from all the COVID-19 patients who had COVID per the PCR test, every single one of their tissues had multiple venoms from snakes and marine shellfish. But the 10 people from multiple cities who did not test positive for COVID, their blood, urine, and feces, none of their tissues had any of those venoms in them whatsoever. They found a total of 36 different venom peptides in the COVID-19 patients, and they found zero in the control group, which was the ones that tested negative for COVID. And where is this on the timeline? That this this actually, all of this was done and submitted for peer review and publication. The whole research study was finished July of 2020. So this is before any of these people had the vaccine. Correct. Oh, yeah. People have asked me nonstop when I do the review of this article uh, with medical doctors and scientists around the world. They'll go, well, uh, Dr. Artis, was this after the vaccines? And then I would go like this. Seriously? Is that your question? You mean you're implying that you think the 36 venoms might be in the vaccines? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like and, th- and then they go like this. No, no, no. I was just curious. And I'm like, no, that's really where your brain was going. Like, like you really do think that mm-hmm. the venoms might be in the shots. The truth is the shots did not come out until December of 2020. Uh, The actual blood, urine, and feces were supplied, and all of the data was supplied for research peer review July of 2020. So this is to identify what was happening with the original so-called outbreaks. Right. And all they found were a whole bunch of venom, just like the researchers said. This SARS-CoV-2 stuff looks like venom from snakes. So what about the people in Wuhan that were walking along the sidewalk and seemed fine, and then just fell on their face. Yeah, what was that? How, how open are we to discuss here? Are we free to talk? We're free to talk. We're already banned off YouTube, so it's fine. Okay, just want to make sure your platform's okay. I'm All fine. Right, so uh, I don't buy any of that footage that you saw. Okay, I actually think that was all created news, and I think the Trusted News Initiative <laughs> and George Soros, who likes to pay people to do things in the news, yeah. to create drama in the news, which is exactly what he does. Yeah, uh, 
I'm not so I would not be surprised if that was all completely staged and these people were paid to do that. Okay. Well, my feeling about what we say and don't say on the show is that we're really late in the game right now. And, you know, if we try to be acceptable, the price might be really high. You know, that there's an agenda going on. It's way beyond COVID and COVID's a, a great example of where it's being used. But, you know, it's the same sources that are destroying the value of the money and making agriculture toxic and doing all this aerial spraying and doing all this other stuff. And if we don't openly say the truth about it, then we're actually playing along. So we'll find ways to get it out, right? So I will tell you that there's nothing really in nature that makes people behave like that that you watch, or they were just falling over and dying unless they've actually had something inserted into them. So we have seen this same scenario happen for real, in real time, in real life, since the vaccines came out. Because they've been injected Mm. with something that can actually stop the heart immediately. And you've seen anchors, you've seen athletes on TV spill over. But that's not what was occurring in China early on. And people with COVID who were struggling to breathe were at home and in bed before they ended up in a hospital. It wasn't they were walking around and just face planted. That's not typically what you see. Now, you can do that with directed energy weapons. Oh, you can. Yeah, so that's a possibility. Oh, yeah. And they, they had just turned on the 5G network in Wuhan by total coincidence, of course. Very good. And those have huge power supplies that are like 100 times more than they need for anything. And it, it doesn't learned, prove it. I've learned from my, my new friendship over the last two years with an incredible woman named Dr. Lee Merritt. She's, she's been on. She she's amazing when she yeah. starts talking about her experiences in the military decades ago. She'll she'll say, "I don't know why the rest of the world's surprised. We all know in the military, anybody's seasoned, you all know that five G is a weapon system right. that was created by DARPA decades yeah. ago to target yeah. people in Afghanistan, Iran." She she was telling me one day on a show, yeah. she goes, or on an interview, she goes, she goes, uh, Doc. You know, we used to tell our own military personnel where they could and couldn't walk when we were in the Middle East because mm-hmm. if they went through the 5G radiation, like uh-huh. walk through it, that we were targeting a village with, right. city, they would lose their hair and their hair would fall out immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's really inconvenient. Yeah, you know, it, it's different than 4G because with 4G and before, they had this kind of field that went out from the tower and just immersed everybody. With 5G, it's a directed beam, and it just depends how strong you want to make it. Yeah, and I learned from her, they can target you in your house. They can right. target you with 5G uh, antennas. She goes, they particularly like to do it while you're in your home. They don't usually like to target mm. people with 5G who are walking around outside because they can quickly ground themselves. But if they're oh, in their bed, they said they will often aim it at the bed or at right. your desk, somewhere they know that you will sit for right. periods of time. She said, but if they hit you with an energy weapon, this is exactly what she told a whole bunch of us docs one day on a Zoom call two weeks ago. Right. Goes, if you feel like you're being hit with an energy weapon, you need to just run outside and get in the grass. It'll immediately ground you. And then if, if, you, the if you're not work, barefoot, you can put your hand down. Yeah, that would work too. Yeah. Yeah. Important. The other thing I, that came up as a question from what you said is that you said you could isolate the spike protein. This was pre vaccine. And you could do that even if there's no virus, right? Because oh, yeah. the protein can be seen easily without any concern about that 
Yeah, everybody came out immediately talking about the Salk Institute's lab findings. They just took the spike protein without a virus. Yeah. They took the spike protein from SARS-CoV-2, and they said by itself, the spike protein causes damages to 28 different organs in your body. Right. And I know we're free to talk on here, so I'm just going to tell you my real opinion. You want to know my real, my real thoughts? That's why I wanted you to come here, yeah. No, my real thoughts are... The yeah. pharmaceutical industry and the medical complex likes to do a, likes to play with nomenclature. They like to yeah. use Latin terminology to keep you confused. They like to switch, like just transpose letters and words mm-hmm. so it looks something mysterious that you can't pronounce. They do yeah. it all the time. Well, I actually think that the term spike protein mm-hmm. is actually a play on words for snake protein. Well, I actually a- think they've known this whole time that they're just manipulating you with snake venom. Uh, venoms from all kinds of creatures, including conotoxin snails, crown of thorn starfish, but the majority of them are snake venom peptides, snake venom proteins. And right. I think the term spike protein, like they're using mRNA injections to get your body to generate its own spike proteins. Every yeah. time they say spike protein, I hear snake protein. Like they're getting your body to manufacture its own snake venom that the more you create, the more damage to your cells, the more death disease is going to be created by your own cells. I think that's what they wish they could do with these shots. I'm not convinced they actually figured out how to do mRNA gene editing therapy with snake venom. I think they're just injecting snake venom into you and watching your body try to figure out how to get it out of you without killing you. So the bottom disease. line of that is that the spike protein is uh, venom synthetic venom toxin. That's exactly what I think. That's exactly how I feel, actually. And, and the reason why I think that is because I've been around the medical profession uh, and its pharmaceutical industry, its physician's desk reference, how they name drugs, how they name right. diseases. They right. do this all the time. They will actually take letters out of a basic word, put yeah. in other letters, and, it, and just to disguise what it is. And I actually was on a plane about a week ago, and I was like, you know what? If you take the word snake and you take the word spike and you take N-A out of snake protein, take right. the N-A out of snake. This is not a joke. I was like this. You take N-A out of snake and you put pie inside of it, P-I, to say spike instead of snake. And then right. I was sitting on the plane by myself. I do this all the time, trying to solve mysteries of the world. And I was like, you know what's interesting about N-A? N-A is an abbreviation on the periodic table of elements for sodium. Right. I said, isn't that weird that they took sodium out of snake and then put pie inside of it? Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you take <laughs> if you take the symbol of pie, like mm-hmm. the actual symbol, right? a filmmaker was sitting next to me the other day when I was explaining this to him, and he brought up the symbol, and he goes, oh, my God, the symbol looks like two fangs. And I said, actually, that's not what I see. I see an N. So it reads like snake anyway, if you just put the pie symbol in there. Well, that's but I, have to, I have to show you this because this is crazy. I'm going to show you something for your audience because this came yeah. up for me. I get home that night from this flight coming back from uh, San Antonio or somewhere that was speaking. And on the World Health Organization's website, they have this actual article titled Snake Bite Envenoming, a Strategy for Prevention and Control, <laughs> published in 2019. This is what it looks like. It's got this graphic. Okay, I can't read the letters, but I can see the basic design. That's okay. It's I'm got different read, animals. I'm going to read this one down here. This one right here where the snake is. See the snake? I see the snake, yeah. 
Okay, so it says in that little graphic, I'll hold it up there, and anybody at home can screenshot it so you can read it later. Sure. Toxin effect of mineral balance causing low serum sodium concentration. I can see it, yeah. I got home and I was like, why did they take sodium out of snake? Do you know snake venom actually removes salt or sodium from your body? I was like, oh, my God, they actually took... Sodium right out of It's your like the fascination with symbology and numerology and absolutely you know, hidden meanings and everything, stuff like that. Yeah, and if you like predictive programming, somebody right. the whole group of doctors just sent me this little clip from X Files that's going around the internet right now. I that saw X Files was talking about DNA gene editing therapy, blah blah, with the virus, da da da. Right, and they, and they were like, "Oh my god, did you ever see? Did y'all see this?" And I actually went like this. Well, yeah, I've seen it. If you actually believe predictive programming is a real thing, and Hollywood's actually you know, I've seen it a lot. Yeah. I said, uh, just go. If you actually believe that that exists, predictive programming is a real thing. Go watch the show, the blacklist on Netflix, watch season four, episode 15, the whole COVID narrative, even by name is inside that show. And it was filmed in 2016. Well, I haven't heard of this. So you said the blacklist, watch blacklist episode, what season four, Episode 15. Season four, episode 15. Because some of your audience is right now is listening to a guy who they don't know, maybe some of them, who uh-huh. is telling you COVID-19 is actually not a virus. Right. It's actually venom poisoning that looks like a respiratory disease. Yeah. And not just because you're making it up and thought it was a cool idea. Nope. In fact, I actually wasn't going to say anything to the world for a few weeks because Mike Adams, the health ranger, freaked me out when I went and saw him privately about my concerns for five hours one day in the middle of a field. And I was telling him what I was researching about venom in relationship to COVID. And he was like, you cannot get back on your computer and research this stuff. You're going to be a target. And I was like, okay. He's like, scrub your (laughs) laptop, scrub your phones. So this is not a joke. I didn't actually look, Richard, at anything for two weeks in relationship to venom until I was just accidentally I was suggested to watch the blacklist four months earlier. So uh-huh. while I wasn't doing research on venom and I wasn't being interviewed at night, I would watch two episodes of that show. And I really liked the main character. Well, two weeks after I'd not decided I wasn't going to talk about venom and the possibility people are drinking it to cause right. COVID that show comes on and the whole narrative I just said of what I think is causing COVID and what I was learning and realizing on my own right. is exactly verbatim what happens in episode 15 of season four. Now do the math talking about numerology, mm-hmm. add those two numbers together. Season four, episode 15. What's the number? It's total coincidence, right? That's it's a total number. coincidence that it's yeah. 19. Everything's but a coincidence. The guy gets sick. Yeah, He actually drinks venom that was put in a scotch drink. He drinks it. Nine hours later, wakes up in a hospital, can't breathe. And the doctors are trying to figure out why he can't breathe and what he's been poisoned with. Yeah, The FBI later finds out that he's been poisoned by having venom put in his drink. And you'll be shocked at the snake venom they tell you it is that they poisoned him with to make him develop this respiratory disease that the main character says. As he goes to take corticosteroids, he goes, I've tried to avoid this my whole life. Corona of death. And then he swallows corticosteroids and passes out. And I'm like, oh, my God, he just said it. 
They really put it all in there. The whole story is in 40-something minutes. Go watch the whole COVID-19 pandemic. It was filmed in 2016 on, and aired on NBC the early 2017. We're just, just so that you don't feel you know, too much outside the box, you know, and the things that you're saying. I spent decades looking into this stuff and came to the conclusion that what we're witnessing as from the middle of it is a ceremonial sacrifice of the biosphere. And the reason that we're not killed suddenly is they wouldn't get credit if they break protocol, Uh, you know, in a nutshell. And this is fits right in. You don't think I'm totally insane for thinking that? No, I think you're sane for realizing it. Yeah, so my open-minded to even consider it. That's the kind of debate that I believe in. Is that both parties in the debate are trying to help each other see whatever is true. Oh yeah, no ego. You know, it's just pattern recognition, which is what's supposed to be in science, question everything. And once you start seeing it fit together, like you're talking about, then you shift on, all right, what can we do with this? Exactly. What are the remedies? Not That's just exactly for, right. That was what right? I was most excited about was to provide the remedies. Because once you know what the weapon is, it doesn't matter how you're getting exactly. it. Exactly. And there are levels you know the of remedies. You, know you want the remedy for the people who got the initial outbreak or who still get it. You want the remedy for people who get it injected, but on a bigger scale, you want a remedy to stop the completion of the sacrifice because they're they're not going to stop that. Oh, they're not going to stop it. In fact, when I just said they, in the show blacklist, he drank the snake venom peptides. Mm -hmm. Right. They specifically say everything related to COVID-19 in the show. It's pretty crazy for the whole pandemic. When I said you're drinking it, and I'm worried that the CDC is at our water treatment plants and they're yeah. actually testing our water. Go look at wastewater surveillance on cdc.gov. They've been using your wastewater, supposedly wastewater, as the mm-hmm. only predictor of an outbreak future in your town. And in what? 400 what sites, 37 cities. My problem with why it is I had to bring this information out now yeah. is because March 2nd, 2022, the CDC's Rochelle Walensky said in the media, came out on national TV and said, we're increasing now our wastewater surveillance treatment right. sites for COVID-19 from 400 that they've had the whole time to now 647. So, you know, they are planning for COVID to continue with new variants. This is what they're going to do. And they're orchestrating this whole thing. Right. And they're only going to use water sites as the, attempt to alarm us or warn us of future outbreaks. Um, right. th- they're then, actually creating these outbreaks. And if this is venom, a venom uh, protein or part of one, then the variant issue is just a change in PR. Exactly right. It's not a different substance necessarily. It's exactly right. Unless they find a better snake that works better. But Well, you do have venoms, like, for example, this Marburg virus you keep hearing about. If that was really going to be one that comes out, they actually say that by definition, it causes hemorrhagic fever, which means you have really high elevated fever. And then you start bleeding from your orifices, like from your eyes, your nose, your mouth, because you're just bleeding out internally. Exactly. Do you know that that is a side effect to King Cobra venom? (laughs) It actually has an anticoagulation component. And there's other venoms from other snakes that have a pro-blood clotting component. I thought there were two basic categories of snake venom, one of which was hemotoxic and the other is neurotoxic, and then some have both. 
there's actually three. There's hematoxic, which is blood toxic. Right. And there's what's called cytotoxic, which is cellular tissue toxic or damaging, and then neurotoxic. Very good. So the two, the crate, the crate's kind of like the coral snake in America, right? A little bit. And so the crate and the cobra uh, are primarily neurotoxic, but they have some of both. Oh, they've definitely got hematoxic effects. In fact, there's two different components of king cobra alone that has pro-coagulation effects. Right. And anti-coagulation effects. Well, so the same can, venom. And if you're doing this synthetically, you can emphasize whichever pr- property you want, I suppose. Oh, in fact, from the Italy study, we know exactly which ones they isolated and used. The Italy study actually broke it down into 20 different snake venoms, its yeah. components, what they are, what type of chemical it is, what type of toxin it is, and if it was neurotoxic, blood toxic, or cytotoxic. So what's the difference between the form of the synthetic venom in the outbreak originally before the vaccines and what's being injected, which, you know, they've been finding other ingredients like um, the one that's like razor blades. What's that called? Graphene oxide. Yeah, graphene hydroxide, I think, was the razor blade part. And the graphene oxide was something that was connected to the self-assembling nanobot part that could pick up 5G uh impulses and stuff like that yeah so so the peptides right now that created covid we have at least a list of 36 different venom peptides they use to make people sick you have to understand the whole purpose of this agenda was to make you sick and then they took advantage of elderly and those with pre-existing conditions like diabetes heart Mm -hmm. disease and obesity when they would get the venoms they had a much worse outcome and then they right. would end up in a hospital, and then they would use remdesivir and sedation protocols to murder those people. You have to give credit to ventilators, too, right? Yep, you have to give, and the ventilators, you got to give credit to all of them. Well, in order mm-hmm. to sedate them, I mean, you had to give them the drugs to be able to put the vent in. But of those course. drugs suppress respiration and your heart's ability to beat. So right. as you increase those sedation drugs one day after another, they came up with a perfect system for making the majority of those people they put on this protocol Mm -hmm. to die on average by day nine of a 10 day window of treatment, which is all they're approved for. Uh, And then Medicare is incentivizing all hospitals in this country to use remdesivir and the COVID-19 protocol. But if they use remdesivir on the elderly, it's an automatic 20% add on bonus for the whole hospital stay for just Medicare age patients. Don't they get an extra bonus if the patient dies too? They actually get a $9,000 bonus for every death certificate signed, primary cause of death, COVID-19. Yes. Right. So do coroners, even if they're not at the hospital. If, yeah. I, if they showed up at an wow. accident and PCR tested somebody, got hit by a bus and died on a road, if they actually put down primary cause of death, COVID-19, secondary automobile, they would get a $9,000 bonus chip. So that controlling the money system is really useful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've been controlling this the whole time. Yep. In fact... We have with, have you had Thomas Renz on your show? I'd like to, but I don't have a good direct contact with him. Okay, So Thomas Renz is phenomenal. In March of 2020. You got to help us get in touch with him. Okay. We can put, yeah, Christina can actually put you right in touch with my producer that actually Uh, said this interview. Yeah, because I think, I think he's fantastic. Yes. And uh, March 2020, he was actually suing the CDC because they actually, when he found out these documents existed, the CDC was sending memos to every hospital that if they tested someone for the flu, in early yeah. 2020 and they tested positive for the flu and then they tested them for pneumonia and they were negative and then pcr tested them for covid and it was negative mm-hmm. they said look at the intake form of the patient 
And if the intake form, look at the address of where they live. If it's in a city that you believe has other cases of COVID in the city, you can write them down as a positive COVID-19 case instead of a flu case. And we will give you a 20% add-on bonus for the flu diagnosis if you don't write it down. And if you just write down COVID. Right, right, right. They did the same thing with the Of course, we know you'll do the right thing, but just in case you do this, here's $20,000. Yeah. And you know your bosses, the administrators of the hospital, are going to tell you, your employee doctors, what they can and cannot write down on their diagnostic paperwork. Yeah, they're going to tell them, you're going to write down COVID for every flipping thing that happens because we get extra money here at this hospital. Yeah. Wow. And they needed the extra money. I mean, they restricted treatment for anything else in the hospital, right? They took away outpatient services. Nobody could go in and have the surgery. So these, these organizations needed money big time. So these are not the people that originated it. They're the people that are following orders, running the hospitals and being the medical staff and stuff like that. So you know about the Milgram experiment, I assume, right? I do. Um, This is a big one, a big version of that. People being willing to follow orders and kill somebody if it's an authority figure. And even if they didn't get money, but especially with money. So it's it's really an ethical issue and consciousness issue. Yeah. That's right? a very interesting uh, experiment. Y'all should y'all should study that or go look at that. That was pretty interesting. <laughs> With the Milgram experiment in general, shocking people. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Turn, yeah. Turning up the dial. You yeah, know, the guys about to die. I really would rather not do this. Yeah. No, it requires that you do it. It's the experiment. That's exactly right. Yep, yeah. it was pretty wild. So one one of the remedies that has to be included. Um, would be getting people unwilling to do things to hurt each other for money or recognition. It would be going back to that Hippocratic Oath you brought up at the beginning of the show, right? If you yeah. first, if your first goal is to do no harm. Right. And how do you weigh it if, if they say, well, do harm and we'll give you money? It's disgusting, isn't it? You know, which takes precedence, yeah. And uh, so th- what you're explaining is the difference between initial outbreaks and the vaccine is just delivery system. Yeah. One's way more concentrated and it's going directly into your bloodstream. Anything that's put into the air is going to be diluted by the air. Anything you put as a pathogen in the water is going to be diluted in the water. If you put it in your food or on your sprayed on your farm, it's going to be diluted from the air, the water, everything being sprayed on. So yes, to inject it inside of your body would be far more concentrated far more detrimental uh, and impact your health in a much more severe way. Plus you can try to force everybody to take it. Yes. And you're bypassing your immune system, right? So yeah, you're bypassing yeah. if you're drinking the venom peptides, like in that show and you can yeah. have respiratory failure. Um, you're, that at least went through the gut lining. Right. Um, and the liver. And if you bypass all of that. You've skipped most of your immune system's protection by vaccinating. Sorry for the noise here. Um, so what about the other ingredients? And, and you said you're not sure about the mRNA uh, system in there, whether it's really happening or not, right? Yeah, yeah, we are actually pretty confident. I've actually got in my hands and had delivered today two separate labs, mm-hmm. uh, the Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and Moderna shots, because I want these labs who can and know how to. Good. They're going to look for venom 
in those shots. Good. I actually think there's been a, and have enough evidence to support there is. And if y'all want, if you think that might be weird, uh, you can watch Dr. Jane Ruby's show with me and with Dr. Zandre out of South Africa the week after my Watch the Water documentary came out. Yeah. She has evidence to support that there is venom in the blood of all of her patients that are actually being vaccinated with the Pfizer shots. Uh, and she shows and demonstrates that with her own blood, her blood behaves just like they demonstrate online how red blood cells are injured yeah. by snake venom. She actually shows her own blood that she put under a slide on a microscope and then added the Pfizer shot. It behaves exactly like snake venom does by damaging red blood cells. And the evidence of what snake venom looks like in the blood of a patient is exactly what she sees in all of her vaccinated blood patients. Now, that doesn't mean they're not self-assembling nanobots there, too. Right? Yeah. Okay. You've seen some of Carrie Maddie's pictures. You know, Harry Madej is a, a very dear friend. Yeah, we've seen her stuff too. So yes, I actually, I'll, I'll since this is a very open platform, I'll just tell you, yeah. I actually have uh, said nonstop that if the attempt is, in my opinion, the only way that you would actually incentivize hospitals to use an unproven, safe and effective drug, which is actually unsafe and dangerous, called remdesivir. Yeah, yeah. And, and and your whole government would do that. And then your whole government would then export it and then hold other countries accountable to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's flat out murder, in my opinion. So I believe it is a massive eugenics or genocide agenda. They're calling COVID-19. And if it is true that they are just trying to mass murder a whole bunch of people, Uh and we are absolutely certain, which I am, and we all should be, that the agenda's main goal is to make sure everybody gets vaccinated. Yeah, for this part of it. I mean, they also want to spray everybody and yeah. do it, poison yeah. the food and do all the rest of it. Yep. If they want, I mean, I've heard a lot of numbers, right, from the World Economic Forum to the Club right. of Rome to the Georgia Guidestones. And there's this big, massive number of people that need to die in order to allow the planet to live past 2030. <laughs> if they really are trying to kill that many people, uh-huh. if that's really what they're doing. They are not going to waste their money on technology to inject it into all of you just to bury you. I mean, they're not going to do that. They will, I believe, experiment in some people, like in small groups, to see if they can control them with nanobot technology. But why would you ever, in my opinion, it's just illogical, Mm. but maybe they have so much money, they would just love to waste money this way. But why would you inject all that nanotechnology into people you expect a large percentage of them, half of them or more? to be buried six feet under anyway. Like to me, it doesn't make any sense. You mean it's more efficient to just use the venom? I think to get to the next part of their agenda, if the agenda is to mass murder a whole bunch of people, you're going to use venom to do it. And you're going to knock off people with boosters every six months, inject more and more venom, more and more people are going to die depending on healthy they are. The healthier they are, the more shots it's going to take. Typically they have a pre-existing condition. They're going to die first. And then they're going to cover it up by saying people are considered unvaccinated for the first 14 days after the shots, which is absolutely egregious and criminal. When 80% of all deaths occur in the first seven days, 50% in the first two days after the shots, you're going to exclude that for 14 days after the shots, when these people are dying, you're not considered vaccinated. That's so dumb and criminal. So if they're trying to kill us, they're going to kill a whole bunch of people first. And at the same time, I believe, I think they're using a company called Zotis, Z-O-E-T-I-S, which is a real company. Pfizer mm-hmm. owns it. It's a subsidiary of theirs. This company, Zotis, has already vaccinated with COVID-19 shots 100 million animals, wild and domestic. 
in America with COVID-19 shots. If I was going to see if my technology of being able to control another creature was going to work, I would do it with animals. And then I wouldn't tell anybody in the media I was doing it. No one in the media is talking about Zotus. No one's talking about 100 million animals are vaccinated fully for COVID-19 in the wild. But 100 100 million is more than they would do to just get some test results. 100 million. Yeah, 100 million. So I think if they're doing this, they're either, they're either, if they're going to experiment with anybody, I think they would experiment with animals in small little groups of people, right. island of people, and see if they can control them with 5G radiation or with radio towers. Uh, I actually uh, got a text today from a pathologist who said, when you evaluate these COVID-19 shots, it would be great if you did an RIFD sensory test to see if there's mm. any reaction from the vaccine with having a radio frequency nearby. People have noticed bizarre things like uh, devices turning on when they walk by and stuff like that when they've been vaccinated. That's a trip and it really could be. I'm just not convinced personally. And you have to understand too, I'm a very logical person. Psychopaths Mm -hmm. are not logical. So it really could be that they're willing to inject everybody with their technology and they just expect a whole bunch of them die at once. To me, it's just really, really a stretch for me to think. Well, you're just saying it's, it's more efficient use of resources to just use venom. Oh, they have been manufacturing mass quantities of venoms in biological weapons labs around the entire world since 1978, 79. They have been making these things for decades. Wow. They've also been making a more toxic venom to human tissue than Indian king cobra venom in factories that's just as dangerous as the real venom. And it comes from a marine snail called a Kono snail. And that shows up 16, 15 of those Kono toxins show up in COVID-19 feces, urine, and blood samples. So how many people roughly have been vaccinated right now with this COVID vaccine? Uh, well, the lady at the World Economic Forum the other day said that 12, or sorry, at the WHO said that there have been 12 billion administered COVID-19 shots. So maybe 4 billion people or so. Yep. The estimates are Dr. Ben Marble, who started MyFreeDoctor.com. He's a Nobel Peace Prize nominated MD. He says it's about, he's seen data that it's 5 billion people have been vaccinated with at least once. And he said that's 5 billion people that are going to (laughs) die. That's flat out how long. Yeah, because remember they did some tests on animals, speaking of that, with ferrets. And all the ferrets died. And this was for a coronavirus vaccine. And yeah, I don't know if you've interviewed him, but you need to interview Dr. Tau Braun, T-A-U-B-R-A-U-N. I, I saw one video from him and he looked great. Are you in touch with him? I am. So or maybe yeah, Christina. Your information. Yep. She'll, 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 get, yeah. she'll help you get anybody you want. He seemed really good. Tau, how do you spell his last name? B-R-A-U-N. Tau oh. Braun and some people that work directly with the Pentagon, both of them independently, and I've done shows with them since have said that the Pentagon has had private meetings or held meetings and said that there's the next resurgence in relationship to COVID-19 is going to happen in the fall. I've heard that too. The fallout is going to occur only in the vaccinated. Are they going to call it monkeypox? Uh, No, that's too early. I think this monkeypox is actually more of a shingles reaction, which is a very common symptom to. Uh, they use shingles pictures to t- to terrify you about monkeypox. Yes, they do. It's so ridiculous. So yeah, do not worry about the monkeypox. Nothing. You don't so, think uh, they're going to do much with that? Uh, 
no, it's going to die off here soon. Like the bird flu did years ago, like swine flu did years ago. Oh, that's another interest. I mean, you need to stay for six extra hours. I, w- I won't really make you do that, but this, this program right now f- from the same people that's wiping out the food supply. Oh, yeah. And been blowing up food plants all over the place. They, PCR, as we've talked about PCR, is actually com- not just false positives. It's completely meaningless. You know, the inventor of it said, make sure you know it can never be used for diagnosis of anything. It's a lab tool and that's it. Yeah. And, and did you know, this is, this is really interesting, actually, as a result of all my research. Yeah. Uh, I did not know this until I was looking into the venom aspect and just going into venom research. PCR test, every scientist and every medical doctor around the world has been angry that they've been forced to use this test they've never used before to diagnose a respiratory virus before, ever, ever, ever. They all knew that Kerry Mullis, the inventor who won a Nobel Prize for it, said this does not diagnose respiratory illnesses or viruses. Like we know that. So it's perfect for what they need. Oh, yeah. Because it'll it'll diagnose a fruit as positive. That's right. However, did you know, I did not know this, did you know that PCR tests, Every time I was in a snake venom research study, do you know that they've been using PCR tests for like 20 years to, to do snake venom research? When they're looking for mRNA, DNA, or RNA of snake venom, in all snake venom research, well, they use PCR tests to identify it. It's good for finding particles of things. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I just found it very interesting that they did that. And then I found it very interesting, too, that the very first antigen test to look for SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19 Americans. Right. The FDA in January of 2020 gave the first EUA emergency use authorization to an antigen test kit to look for COVID-19 in the blood of patients. And that was based on PCR, right? No, it's actually from a company called Roche, R-O-C-H-E. Holland right. Roche is the mother company. Right. But what's amazing is, is the actual test kit has a trademarked name and the trademark name is Cobas, C-O-B-A-S. And Cobas in 2017, the same test was actually called Cobas R test. <laughs> it's like they just moved the R out of Cobras. Yeah, exactly. Put it next to it. You can look it up on the, look up the trademark office uh, for the United States. Look up Cobas, C-O-B-A-S, and you'll see all the patents. They have been using this antigen test called Cobas since the late seventies, in venom research, snake venom research. And that's the first antigen test for SARS-CoV-2 that the RFDA gave to a company to identify SARS-CoV-2 in your blood. A test kit that's been used to identify venom inside of people since the 70s. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Oh, the venom really aspect is. of all of this is just atrocious. So if your argument that... Um just using venom is a lot more efficient than putting in nanotech and all that kind of stuff, right? If your goal is to kill people, that's the oldest in antiquity biological weapon ever. Assassination we tool. With everyone else, right? Poison right. dart frogs and venom of snakes. There, it's kind of an important point that you would just use venom and nothing else because you can help the vaccinated people if they haven't died yet, if it's only venom. If it's venom plus nanotech plus graphene hydroxide and stuff, it's harder. Oh, yeah. Plus so, you have polyethylene glycol 2000 in the MRNA yeah, shots. Yeah. Polysorbate exactly. 80 in the Johnson Johnson shot. And each of these chemicals punch holes in the blood-brain barrier to allow anything that's in the shot to get to your brain. And right. we know what venom does to nervous system. It causes prion diseases. That's what it does. 
which uh, are 100% fatal, by the way. So if it's got these various components for whatever reason, and if uh, Dr. Madej's pictures were accurate, which they probably are, um, how much of that can you fix with just antidotes to the venom? Yeah, isn't that great? I actually used to be a big proponent and push out this narrative that people needed to use apple pectin powder to bind to the chemicals and draw them out as poisons. Right, right. And I used to actually say there's four things everybody needed to be on. Vitamin C, magnesium, selenium, and apple pectin. That's what I used to say all the time when the shots started coming out. I cannot understate the significance of the vitamin C part of that. I didn't realize just how – I knew how great it was as an antioxidant. If uh, you guys are here, I have a, you mentioned my website. It's the doctorartistshow.com on the homepage yeah. are yeah. three chapters of me with Mike Adams. And I take I Mike Adams in chapter three about all my concerns about the MRNA vaccines and this substance in the research conducted by the people that created the MRNA shots at mm-hmm. the university of Pennsylvania. Their names are Catalin Carrico and Drew Weissman. And I actually take the audience through a 2009 research study 2011 study and on Mm -hmm. every time they did a study funded by Anthony Fauci to do what's called MRNA gene editing therapy in that research. I put it up on the screen. They disclose that to cleave your DNA or RNA to insert whatever MRNA they think they're getting into your DNA. Mm -hmm. They use a substance called snake venom phosphodiesterase. And in the same presentation with Mike Adams, I said, if these researchers are using snake venom phosphodiesterase to cleave RNA or DNA, which means to cut your genetic material, to insert another genetic material, if right. that's what they were using this whole time, they're either using that right now or something that's identical to it that's synthetic, like a synthetic snake venom phosphodiesterase to do sure. the same thing. Now, I showed on that, on that uh, presentation that there's a company called Innovative Research that sells snake venom phosphodiesterase. And it says on the site, right underneath the price tag of $133, before you go to checkout, it has a summary of the product. And it says, anyone buying this snake venom phosphodiesterase for your own research? Right. You can't mix it with glutathione, acetylcysteine, or vitamin C. It, it ruins it. Right? It'll completely inhibit the dangerous side effects of wow. this venom. Wow. And, I, and so I told Mike Adams, Mike, I told Mike Adams to read it. I was like, read what it says. And he was like, oh, holy crap, it actually tells you what the antidote is? Yep, it actually does. They tell you what to put into the body or what not to put into the Petri dish or the animal you're researching because it will actually completely negate the negative aspects of venom. Vitamin so, C, NAC, or glutathione? It's vitamin C, NAC, glutathione, and a supplement form of EDTA are the four things it mentions. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. So if you're, I've kept you a few minutes over already. I apologize, but go That's fast. all right. We're going to go. We're, uh, we're going to go. We're going to do some more work. We're good. Yeah. Um, so if you put all that together and look at solutions on two levels, at least two levels. One would be for people that have had the uh, the material that caused the outbreak where they got it in the vaccine, and that's one level. The other level is on a higher level, which would require something like a version of mass noncompliance, peaceful noncompliance that a lot of people have talked about. And the third is, you know, when you're addressing the lar- bigger picture of which this is a part which, you know, in my view, which is not most people's, I think the percentage of people that they want to kill 
is same as the percentage of life on the planet, which is a hundred. And they just don't tell their lower level bosses because it might affect morale. If they think, well, wait a minute, a hundred, that means Us. including myself, right? <laughs> they say, no, no, you're going to be in the elite remnant once we kill the lower level people. So addressing those three levels, what, what have you gotten to so far with your perception of an antidote? So my antidote so far would be this. So based on this research for the mRNA vaccines of the people who created them, using right. snake venom components, uh, they admittedly are open to the fact that, and I will tell you, there's a reason why this all started making sense. Do you know that in May of 2020, our FDA decided they were going to put out these postings that they were now restricting the sale of NAC, N-acetylcysteine? I saw that, yeah. By all supplement companies, even though it's been sold for 70 years by supplement companies, and they said it was now going to be a prescription. It well, hundreds, hundreds of supplement companies have been suing the FDA to get them to back off of this idea, and so they haven't done it yet. But okay. that's, I believe that's the reason they wanted it off the shelves is because they knew it stopped the blood clotting effect of COVID and the coming blood clotting effect of the mRNA vaccines, both of which I believe are being created by venoms. And NAC Mm -hmm. is proven to be an inhibitor of blood clotting factors in venom. So is vitamin C and so is glutathione. What I recommend to all people is this. If you've been injured by the mRNA shots Mm -hmm. at all, Uh, Or if you got the mRNA shots and very recently you have remorse, you should, in a hurry, contact an infusion center in your area and get high-dose intravenous glutathione and vitamin C that is not corn-based. That's what I would recommend. Vitamin C infusions, highest doses possible with glutathione. If you can't get to them or you don't think you have any injuries after your shot so far, but you're not going to do any more, you need to get on NAC at 500 milligrams a day with selenium at 200 micrograms a day, those two elements are required by the liver to make glutathione, which by itself, these manufacturers of snake venom say it inhibits snake venom. Right. Then you need to also be on vitamin C high dose, 5,000 milligrams, working up to 10,000 milligrams every day of your life forever because they're trying to kill you with all kinds of things viruses maybe, but for sure poisons, toxins, and venoms. So you need to make sure you have vitamin C to protect all the antioxidant issues. Venoms, all of them, have what are called zinc metalloproteinases, which means they eat up or destroy zinc reserves in your body, which is why zinc has been so protective against COVID. If you take zinc and replace zinc as your venom's causing you to lose it or the virus is causing you to lose it, people survive. Everyone should be on NAC, selenium, vitamin C, and zinc. All of you what, should. What, 30, 30 milligrams of zinc, something like that? Or? Yeah, so zinc, and I know people are going to ask if they're watching this, I actually recommend way higher amounts of zinc than medical doctors will. They typically will just go off the FDA's recommendations. I do not do that. They're claiming actually, there's a toxicity issue. At the high I recommend 50 milligrams of zinc with food morning and night, every day for the rest of your life. So 100, 100 a day. So 100 a day. There are a lot of people who are listening here who go, but I've heard something about zinc supplementation and copper. Yeah, exactly. Right. This is what it is. If you're taking zinc supplementation, they say for every 20 milligrams of zinc, you should take one milligram of copper. So if you're doing 50 milligrams twice of zinc, 
That means you should be taking five total milligrams of copper a day. What about the form? So the forms, I don't worry about as much, but I will tell you I have my favorite forms. I actually have my own zinc supplement on my website, uh, but I have zinc gluconate, zinc um, glycinate, uh, zinc. Those are the two I use, actually. I don't have any other ones, but I like those the most. Is there an issue with the copper form, some better than others? Um, I like chelated copper, so I just look for chelated copper forms. Okay. And And it will say CHE. Some people think that the vitamin C in a lipid package is more effective. Is there anything to that, or do you care? That's actually a great question. Live on labs, L I V O N labs has a great liposomal vitamin C little gel pack. I used to sell those by the hundreds out of my office all the time for anybody with colds or flus or whatever they might've had. I do not use them. I used them for years with patients because they were convenient to just take a 1000 milligram packet of of little gel packs, but I don't like them. I prefer ascorbic acid or sodium ascorbate, which are bulk vitamin C Right. Actually, they're water. It's water soluble, which means it dissolves in water. Uh, this is very important. If you're doing vitamin C, which I do every day, and everyone should be doing five thousand to ten thousand milligrams a day, you should split it up, no matter how much you're taking, because your body pees out all your vitamin yeah. C every yeah. two hours. So you always want to have vitamin C in your body as often as possible. So you're so, saying maybe every two or three or four hours, something like that. Yep, I actually do three thousand in the morning, three thousand at lunch, four thousand in the evening. Every day. If, if you're concerned about it coming off the market, can you stock up on that? What's the shelf life of those three main supplements? Supplements come with a manufactured expiration of two years. I've been making supplements for years. Uh, okay. and I know how that manufacturing process works. And they, that, they generally uh, can go a third year, but that's what they have to disclose on the expiration. Officially, it's two, but you're thinking maybe three. Oh, yeah. If it's uh, not a whole organic vegetable tablet, uh, it'll last for three years easily. Okay. Okay. Wow. Questions? Well, there's a lot more, but I want to respect your time. So maybe you'd be open to coming back at at a certain point. Absolutely. If there's anybody in the the realm of trying to educate and save lives around the world in relationship to COVID-19 that you want their names, numbers, you want to talk to them, we'll help you with all of them. As long as we do have access to the internet and we can get those things out, I just want to use our time really well. Love it. So it's it's great honor to talk to you. It makes me encouraged. It's great to talk to you. We will win. Yeah, absolutely. There's nowhere else to go back to. Do not give these shots to anybody. Do not encourage them. And children, they're going to vote next week uh, to give these to six months old to four-year-olds. I know. Incredible. Do not do it. Remember, the people they're trying to convince you right now need to get a shot. It doesn't matter if you're in the military. It doesn't matter if you're a child or a newborn. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they are trying to convince you that the 100 percent of the survivors of this pandemic for two and a half years, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden need a shot to keep surviving. Uh, Do not believe this narrative. They're lying to you. Use some common sense. You've already survived. You've been surviving for two and a half years. You're going to keep surviving. So do not succumb or bend your knee or bow your knee to the those who tell you. They made something in a lab that can make God's creation better. Right. God forgot to include vaccines when he made people. God got it right the first time. Man (laughs) has convinced you they did it better. And some of you have believed it. 
I haven't vaccinated any yeah. of my kids. 20 year, 21 years old is the oldest. Wow. Uh, he was vaccinated for the first year. Then I had four kids. I never vaccinated him ever again. None of them had any shots. And they're all healthy, fine, and no diseases. You know about the people? No asthma, no ear infections, no autism, Asperger's, you name it. You, you know about the control the group project? Yeah. yeah, we've got one. If you haven't seen that yet, Brian Hooker, at, uh, he's the chief science officer of Children's Health Defense. He published right. last summer. I went through it on my site with my audiences. They found that there's five major categories in which children who are vaccinated have more diseases and symptoms and illnesses than those who are unvaccinated. And it includes right. autism, uh, double ear infections, uh, asthma, autism. I may have already said autism. Anyway, there's five things that they go through that yeah. uh, is far superior in the unvaccinated. Than the you, vaccinated. you know about Joy Garner's work in California? I don't so think so. A thing called, this is worth looking at if you ever have a minute. Okay. The control group project.org or the control group.org. And uh, she surveyed the country in America for people that had never been vaccinated and then took their health records and compared them to CDC's supposed normal. And it turned out that there was this massive correlation. And I looked at the supposed health benefits of vaccines back to Jenner in 1796, and I couldn't find any solid instance of vaccines preventing disease. And I think it's really hard to grasp that, you know, because we've been so brainwashed, but um, things are a little different than what we've been told. You aren't kidding. Well, I'm on their site right now. I will actually, uh, I'll, look at this. I'll do a whole interview with these people and expose all this stuff. I love. Yeah, I love please do. She, she's doing fantastic work and they're trying to get things changed. She's I got a, a, that study needs to be everywhere. And what is her name again? Joy Garner. And you can ref, reference us if you want to. Joy Gardner. All right. I look forward to it. Garner, G-A-R-N-E-R. And all the listeners should look at her site too. Yeah, it's going to be great. I want to go through all this. I love educating and warning people. Exactly. Yeah. Finding new stuff is exciting. So I love it. Yeah. No one has all the information in the entire world and no one knows everything ever. No, that's why we have a whole family to work with. So we have to continue trusting other people and then studying a whole lot on our own. That's right. Question everything. And then trust your gut, pray, see how you feel. And, right. Uh, right. That's why we're taught. Higher education teaches you that feelings are irrational and meaningless and distracting. And yeah. And then, emotion and, is nothing. And then satanic evil people will tell you that you're just a hackable animal. Yeah, I had heard that exact phrase. Right. So disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what did they I'll say? Just say no. The person who says, Arara, who says that we should, that we are hackable animals, he needs to be the first one that gets hacked to right. prove it, that we're hackable he, animals. He, he, and probably, somebody, he should allow someone to hack him and then demonstrate for the rest of us what that looks like. I think he is demonstrating right now. Well, maybe he is, but he hasn't told me he is. I need to hear no. him say, or I need to see evidence that he got controlled. <laughs> yeah. Hacked. He got hacked by something. I want to know. I got to see it. I haven't seen exactly. it. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, we covered a lot. So hopefully people will get to work and um, don't go along with the agenda. You know, all been lied to. Don't trust anybody. But yourself and your God. That's right. Those are very trustable. Okay. Hold on and we'll say goodbye in the break here. Okay, you guys, that was Dr. Brian Artis of the com. Been hoping to get him on the show for a long time. And incredible person. I just, I get really inspired meeting people like that. It's one of the great 
uh, perks of having our radio program is getting to talk directly with people that we wouldn't normally get to meet and uh, getting encouraged that there are people working on conscious solutions to world problems. And he's doing talks all over the country, one after the other after the other. And um, great person. The other thing that I find inspiring about uh, Dr. Artis is he's an example of real science where it's not an ego thing. It's questioning everything pattern recognition in the data and what you're seeing and the events in the world and say, wait a minute, how, what's the answer to this riddle or how does the puzzle, how do the puzzle pieces fit together? And he's doing that constantly. And the snake venom thing is something that if, if more of us had been open to that, we would have seen much sooner. And as Dr. Artis discovered, synthetic snake venom has been being produced by laboratories for many years and it's used in all kinds of allopathic medicines and um, it just makes an obvious uh, way to make sense out of what's happening with all the symptoms that COVID-19 and vaccine victims are getting and it also opens the door to figuring out remedies and solutions and his uh, focus on using natural supplements, vitamin C, glutathione, and NAC, I think he said, for not only remedies, but prophylactic, meaning preventative use. That's really valuable. And I think the shelf life question that came up is critical, too, because a lot of times, especially out of the refrigerator, people think that the vitamins are going to decompose and be useless or harmful after a short time. And apparently, from what Dr. Artis has found out, as a supplement formulator himself, these things last for years, two or three years minimum. And that means we can stock up whenever we can manage to get a hold of right now before they get outlawed if that happens. And that would be really good. And in extreme um, emergency, severe sickness situations, the nicotine patches and gum, um, apparently, from what he said, has saved a lot of people's lives quickly. And I didn't know that. So that's really valuable knowledge. Anyway, uh, check out his site, Dr. Artist, the, T-H-E, the Dr. Artist Show.com. He's got videos on there which are highly worth watching. I've been doing that lately, and he's got great interview material. Um, what else? He's in the network of all these people working for solutions to the COVID and the deep state problem and the, the satanic problem that the world has right now. Uh, he's in touch with all the ones that he mentioned and Lee Merritt and all these other great people. And Tom Renz will have many of those on the show in the weeks immediately ahead. So stay in touch. You can stay up on what we've got on the shows on lostartsradio.com. And there's a tab on there that has everything about the radio shows, all the platforms that we're on that we're not kicked off of. Um, YouTube is involved in getting rid of us right now and re-education didn't really work we still got uh, in trouble for old videos and some of the new ones so we want to migrate over to these non-censoring platforms and stay in touch and uh, link to those and all the free articles and videos that we post almost every day on lostartsradio.com kind of synthesizing the news and aggregating good stories from all kinds of great platforms um, that are all listed there. Uh, 
we'll keep doing the shows and everything that we can. And I, I'm hoping to get back to the Voice in the Wilderness series maybe in the next few days. I've just been way too busy and, um, you know, 16 hours is just not touching what has to be done in a day. But I, I think that's going to be starting up again. Uh, watch for that on all the platforms that we're on blog talk and blog talk is audio, but and Twitch and iTunes and Brighty on a bit shoot and now rumble. Thanks to Doug's work. Um, all commercial free. And if you want to help us stay on the air and get these great guests and keep going without interrupting with commercial breaks all the time, uh, you might want to donate to Lost Arts Research Institute which on lostartsradio.com, there's a uh, donate link. Uh, also one for uh, Bitcoin, if you want to use that. And also Subscribestar has many levels that are open. All of those things are on lostartsradio.com. And we appreciate all the people that have used them already, and thank you very much. Uh, but, you know, if, you, if you're barely surviving and really stressed for money, Use it for your own well-being and stocking up on, on things that you can rather than helping us. It's just if you have discretionary resources and you want to help us, it's greatly appreciated. Um, share the links. Take care of yourself is the most important bottom line because if you want to help other people, getting as much of your physical health back as possible and um, keeping in a good mental state with a focus on uplifting things while you're aware of what's going on in the world, that balance, maintaining that is the most generous thing you could do for everybody else. So take good care of yourself and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back here shortly and uh, have a good rest of the week. I'll talk to you soon. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. 
It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the banned ones are on our YouTube channel at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Here in the dark of skies, they're all the same. And in the night, your mind keeps playing games. But in the heart, Oh, this is just a dream Time never waits Though harder it may seem In the light, you think you see. 
Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.